Hello, world. Welcome to episode zero of the John C. Guthrie Show. I'm your host, John C. Guthrie. It's been a long time coming. I've been working on this for a while. That's a whole other story. I'll probably get into that one day. Um, right now, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself, a little bit about the show, my vision for the show, where I want it to go, uh, and you know, we'll just see. We'll see where it ends up going. Uh, I'm 36 years old. I live in Beaufort, North Carolina, on the coast of North Carolina. Wonderful place. I recently stopped teaching college. Uh, I was full-time faculty at a small community college in eastern North Carolina. Taught English and critical thinking. Prior to that, I did my Master's in Fine Arts in Creative Writing with a fiction concentration at George Mason University outside of D.C., and I taught there uh, as part of the degree. Uh, I wasn't a TA. You know, we're, we were basically full instructors, but we were, um, you know, it was, it was part of our, we didn't really get paid. It was part of the stipend, but we didn't have people overseeing us directly or anything like that. Um, you know, we, we ran our own class. I taught literature, creative writing, and composition there. So all told, uh, close to five years teaching at the college level. Prior to that, I've done all sorts of stuff. Uh, I was a wilderness guide in Alaska for five summers. Um, that was all all kinds of trips, remote, fly-in, backpacking, kayaking, bear viewing, um, you know, some campground-based front country stuff, but a lot of super remote, pretty high stakes, proper wilderness. Uh, you know, talking giant glaciers, giant grizzly bears, uh, cold rivers, that kind of thing. Um, additionally, I've sold cars. I've been a financial advisor. I worked at a newspaper for a while. Uh, I was the editor-in-chief of our Lit Mag in grad school. So I've done a little bit of everything. Um, this is gonna this is gonna help inform my perspective, and and you'll see that as as the show goes on. Let me tell you a little bit about my angle, my goal. So a lot of the stuff that I want to cover is going to be in the political, social commentary type round. Um, I am a libertarian. Uh, I don't want this to be another libertarian show. Reason for that, I've, I, I've been a libertarian for, I don't know, 20 years. I have seen firsthand through conversations, through being a part of the movement in various ways, I've gotten the sense that, frankly, most people just don't really care. Uh, I think it's terrible. I think it's tragic. But from my perspective, the vast majority of people are not particularly concerned about liberty. They're not particularly concerned about freedom. They don't make decisions based on very firm principles like you know we tend to do as libertarians. And uh, it's all right. I get it. I really do get it. Um, I've come to the conclusion that really people are concerned about their personal prosperity and well-being and that of their family to a slightly, to some slight degree, the community that they feel a part of. Um, and honestly, you know, beyond that, people have an idea of how they want to see society and they're more concerned about shaping that society than they are, uh, you know, other people's individual rights. I disagree with that, but I get it. I really do get it. it it's logical. You know, we're, uh, we're basically cavemen who have computers. 
So, um, you know, I try not to be surprised by human nature um, or by, our, you know, more base instincts. Um, all right. With that said, I don't think that I have all the answers. I'm not going to try to act like I have all the answers. I, have, I definitely have my perspective, but I'm going to try to be upfront and honest with my bias, with my perspective when it comes to any issue that we're talking about. So I'm not trying to pitch libertarianism. Um, I am fiercely anti-partisan. Uh, what does that mean? Currently, I if you know we're stuck in a two-party system. I didn't vote for years. Um, I voted for Trump. That might blow your mind, but uh, having not voted since Ron Paul didn't vote in the Hillary Trump election sixteen, um, I decided to start voting again. Currently, I have slightly more faith in the Republican Party than the Democratic Party. With that said, I'm not a Republican. Uh, I really despise both parties. I see a somewhat larger glimmer of hope in the Republican Party than I see in the Democratic Party right now, uh, but that's really all it is. Um, the partisan divide in this country is insane. The, the fact that they have tricked the vast majority of us into fiercely identifying with one of the two parties or at least that's the narrative. I don't know if you can say the vast majority of us. A lot of people don't even vote. I've been one. I get it. But, you know, the, the left-right divide is real, and they've overlaid that with the conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat labels. Uh, and it's, it's crazy, honestly. My big thing, y'all, is I'm firmly convinced that all of our major problems are very solvable. Not only are they solvable, I really think there's a solution for almost all of them that would be, you know, maybe not perfect, but let's say it would solve the problem to like a 90% degree, and I think it would be amenable to like 90% of people. Um, you know, that that's sort of a number that I just have in my head, but, but, but I keep coming up with it, this 90% thing. We could solve the problem to a 90% degree, and 90% of people would be totally okay with it and would say, hey, this is a hell of a lot better than it used to be. Um, I think that's achievable. Currently, what I'm, what I'm seeing is I think we need some kind of left-right populist realignment. So you know, not, not crazy right-wing populism, not crazy left-wing populism. By populism, I just mean the levers of power should function for the people more than they should function for the most powerful politicians in the fucking billionaire class, right? The most powerful corporations. Uh, and that's where we are. That's a fact. And I think most people, whether they identify more left, more, more right, or libertarian, would agree with that and would, and would want to see these changes. Um, so anyway, that's my bias. That's my bias, okay? When it comes to specific, to specific issues, um, Again, I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from, and I'll go into I'll go into you know the given issue from there. Um, it probably sounds like I just want to rant <laughs> every episode. It's not the case. Um, I want interviews to be the centerpiece of the show. That's that's my goal. Um, I'll probably supplement those interviews with focused journalism, so original research, original interviews. You know, edited down, so not just conversations, but actually trying to present information. Uh, I'll probably double some of that up with writing, um, but primarily I want to go with the podcast route uh, for a number of reasons. Maybe we'll get into that one day too. 
Big focus, y'all, is I want to highlight the absurd and the solvable. The absurd and the solvable. If you look around, I don't know how you can move through this society and not be struck by absurdities everywhere and unnecessary suffering that is completely solvable. So that's that's where that's where I want to really work. Uh, all right, just a couple of quick examples. I'll go into more of these in detail later, but I just want to cover a couple quick things. It is March 15th, 2021. It's essentially a year to the day of COVID lockdowns. I just imagine, imagine this, y'all. This is this is reality. Can can you wrap your head around the fact that we still don't know exactly how this disease is transmitted and exactly how the risk breaks down across various segments of the population. And what I mean by that is, you know, they just said, yo, you know, the six foot thing, that's no longer necessarily true in schools. We think three feet is actually okay. Um, At one point it was, if you were around somebody for, in close contact for greater than 15 minutes. Um, they have been all over the map on who's affected most, who has worse outcomes, that kind of thing. A lot of that's totally understandable. It's a, it's a, new, it's a new virus. I get it. One year in, it's absurd that we do not have concrete answers to those things. When the, when the data really first started coming out six, seven, maybe months ago, um, about fatality rates by population, it was so hard to find that information. It was very, very, um, it just, it wasn't reported on widely. You would see snippets here and there and you would go look at the data and it would be out of these tiny little studies. It's insane. That should have been obviously the first the first concern for the entire you know the entire academic medical governmental all of the institutions media government academia every you know all of public health that's the one question we should have been answering. Hey, how deadly is this thing, and to whom? That data still, they still don't talk about it much. It's, it's, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and this, you know, the same goes with transmission. How safe is outdoor? Uh, why aren't we talking about it? Is California insane for banning outdoor dining for a year? Is Florida insane for having it open for six months or whatever the hell it's been? <clears throat> this stuff is complicated, but the thing that's most absurd to me is the lack of transparency around it. Don't you think we should have had, you know, weekly briefings that lay this information out? Here's what we know. Here's what we think we know. Here's what we don't know. Here's where we're, you know, here's what we're investigating next. This is what we're currently trying to solve. Here's what we're going to report to you next week. That kind of thing. Look, it's easy to blame the politicians. Trump, Trump, you're an idiot. You know, you should have done X, Y, and Z. Biden, you're dead. Whatever, you should do X, Y, and Z. But guys, it's not just them. It's not just them. Think about every organization that had the ability to step up and do something and how little of that actually happened. 
It's government on the federal level, state level, local level. It's academia. It's public health. It's media. That we should have been, that we should have been bombarded with that type of information. Instead, we got talking points and we got bits of information that were clearly designed to manipulate our behavior into a certain, you know, into a certain direction that they thought was best at the time. Lockdowns because we can't trust these people to be, you know, to make their own decisions, that kind of thing. Which again, I get it, but it's not, it's not honest, right? It doesn't lead to more trust in, in the institutions. It doesn't, it doesn't engender faith in the, you know, the most powerful, important institutions that we have. Anyway, end rant. I think you see where I'm going. Um, you know, masks are the same way. Don't wear masks. They don't do anything. Maybe wear masks. Definitely wear masks. If you're not wearing masks, you're a terrible person. Uh, cotton masks are fine. Maybe surgical masks are better. You should actually wear a surgical mask with a cotton mask over top of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's understandable, guys, that information like this is hard to come by at first. The fact that it took so long to get to where we are and we still don't have better data it's inexcusable. It's insane. That it's 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 total bullshit. Um, we know N95s work, right? We know that. We have that data. They're something like 95, 98% effective for the, you know, if if you're wearing it and you're infected, or if you are wearing it and you are trying to prevent infection, we know they're extremely they're extremely effective. I understand there was a shortage. Does it really pass the bullshit test that we are unable to manufacture more masks over the course of a year? A year. Really? I don't buy it. We've spent something like $6 trillion, and that does not count the free money that the Fed is printing, which is a whole different can of worms. The government has spent something like $6 trillion. And we still don't have enough N95s. We've developed as a globe something like 13 new new vaccines. Many of them use mRNA technology for the first time ever. Um, you know how you feel about that's a separate issue, but it's just like a technological achievement. It's incredibly impressive. We can do that, but we can't make new masks. Really, I don't buy. It. I think it's absurd. Um, don't you think we could have distributed N95s to everybody? Don't you think they could have? I know there's fit issues and that kind of thing. You don't think they could have produced a video that would have been, you know, pretty effective? I think they could have. The fact that we didn't, I think is absurd. Um, maybe everybody doesn't need an N95, but, you know, what about every single quote unquote essential worker? Not just medical, but grocery stores, you know, all these things. If masks are the answer, why were they pushing fabric masks, which we know aren't that effective? And we have masks that we know are effective. We just had a shortage. We really couldn't produce more. I'm just not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Um, I, you know, ultimately, I think it comes down to just ineptitude. I think uh, a lot of our institutions are, you know... I don't want to say corrupt just from a financial perspective, but they're, they're, they're just broken. They're just broken. And we're going to dive more into that later.
if you don't see it, uh, you know, stick around. I, I, I think I can probably convince you. Um, just another quick example of, of absurd social political, sociopolitical issues that can be solved. You know, with all the talk about race and criminal justice reform, does it really make sense that the United States has a larger prison population than any other developed country on planet Earth? I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but, you know, we have more people in prison per capita than, you know, even like a place like China. You know, this is the land of the free, and we, we throw people in cages willy-nilly. It's insane. It's insane. Do you think the left and the right could agree that we need to have fewer people locked in cages? I absolutely think they could. This used to be a left issue. Um, as a libertarian, this was always one of the things, you know, I would see on the left that I was, you know, that I supported. But look at how, look at the success, the, the, the success on the, from the standpoint of the public, um, the media with, with Donald Trump's prison reform, with his criminal justice reform. Um, he let people out of prison. He, he reduced penalties. He granted clemency to a bunch of people, right? Not, I'm not talking about the crooked shit at the end. I'm talking about the, the stuff around the nonviolent drug offenders that he did. That was largely celebrated. It's absolutely on the table. It, does it benefit you and me and, you know, the average citizen? Not really. Can you get elected on that? It's probably not the easiest thing, right? Because it's just about doing the right thing more than it is benefiting people. Uh, and that doesn't play well um, politically because, you know, the, the fucking weasels can't get can't get votes out of that like they can uh, promising you some free shit or scaring you about some boogeyman around the corner. Um, but as Americans, as humans, we shouldn't tolerate that. People need to go to prison sometimes. If people do need to go to prison, I'm talking people, they need to be there. Anybody reasonably would see, you know, X crime and they would say, hey, that guy needs to be in prison. Sorry, he's one of those. He needs to go. Okay. If that's the case, can we agree that he, he or she should not be subjected to, to violence while we have them locked up? Should not be subjected to rape while we have them locked up? The, the numbers of people who are forced into race-based gangs, who are forced to commit or victims of violence, physical and sexual in prison, is sickening. It's sickening. Can't we agree that that's not acceptable? I think we can. Uh, is that an easy problem to solve? No, it's not. It might take more money. I mean, almost assuredly it would take more money. But if we're reducing prison populations, uh, maybe we make prisons more austere. Maybe we force or really heavily encourage labor. I know it doesn't sound good. I know it like sort of... It doesn't feel good to think about forcing prisoners to work, but you know, it ain't the craziest issue. Would you rather would you rather work? And I'm not talking about breaking rocks in like the fucking Mississippi sun for twelve hours a day. It doesn't have to be insane. But like what if what if we could have them work to offset the cost of being there 
And in return, you know, maybe they didn't have like every fucking amenity under the sun, but we could keep them from getting beaten, raped, murdered, or forced to join race-based gangs. Uh, seems like a good idea to me, and I think it's super achievable. Anyway, my argument with a lot of these issues, guys, is that common sense, liberty-friendly solutions exist for virtually most, virtually all of our um, of our major problems. Uh, the opioid ec- epidemic, failing education from somebody who's spent years in education, we're definitely going to talk about that. Homelessness, immigration, our corporate uh, corporatocratic—it's <laughs> a word I invented—corporatocratic, kleptocratic crony capitalist economy that has nothing to do with free markets at this point. It's not about free markets. I'm the, you know, I'm as, I'm as much of a capitalist as you'll ever meet. Uh, I think free markets are one of the most important things as human beings that we should, we should, you know, seek to maintain and develop. Um, that's not what we have today. It's absurd. We have, we have an economy and a regulatory system that works for the highest paid richest, wealthiest individuals and corporations in society. Um, in a free market, a lot of those, a lot of those organizations and people would still be the richest. I'm not saying, I'm not even saying like go after the fucking biggest companies or, you know, advocating for a wealth test or anything like that. I I have no problem with any of that stuff. If, uh, if Jeff Bezos can make a trillion dollars without favorable regulations, dude, good on Jeff. Um, but you know, the way our economy and regulatory system is structured It's harder for the little guy to get anywhere, and all of the rules and conditions are tilted toward the biggest fish out there, Uh, and that's that's not okay. Um, And again, I think we could have a left-right realignment around that, and that is obviously also liberty-friendly. All right, so anyway, that's a sort of sketch of where I am politically um, that's the sort of stuff I'm going to focus on. I am not here to sell you on libertarianism. I want to focus on single issues at a time with full transparency. When I'm making arguments, I'm going to tell you when I'm making arguments. I'm going to tell you why I'm making the argument. If I'm educating you, I'm going to tell you where I'm getting my information. I'm going to show my work. I'm not, I'm not really not trying to persuade you of anything other than we can do better. That's that's the goal. Um, okay, to be honest, I'm not optimistic about any of that actually uh, doing anything. Uh, I'm really not. Um, whether it's a lack of desire on the part of the public, you know, always wanting more free shit, always falling for the division bait, or whether it's the entrenched powers, you know, forcing that upon us, depends. But I I, I don't see a lot of it changing. Um, but with that said, y'all, I think it's our duty to try, right? It's our duty. Um, we, we have to try to make our society better for everyone. Uh, it's not, you know, like these issues aren't about me and how they affect me. It really is out of a desire to help those who were most disenfranchised, most downtrodden among us. Um, I, you know, I think we can all agree to that. Uh, so with that said, we have to try, but we can't lose sight of the personal. We can't lose sight of the personal. As individuals, there is a lot more that we can do to better our own lives and the people closest to us through personal improvement, entre- entrepreneurship, traveling, uh, expanding our horizons. 
we have so much more power to do that than than the big global or even national level issues. Um, so um, I, I want to spend a bunch of time on that too. All right, that's really it in a nutshell. Um, as episodes go on, I'll I'll tell you more about myself. You know, maybe we'll do Q and A's, that kind of thing. Um, I'm an open book, y'all. I really am. Um, and you know, like I said, I wanted to focus on interviews, but I'm also going to do some targeted journalism. Uh, I'll probably do some. I'll probably do some rants. Uh, so anyway, that's it. More information coming soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I know you have a lot of ways to spend 25 minutes, and if you just gave it to me, I sincerely appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon.